0: Welcome to another podcast from ETF Securities. I'm Peter White, and today we're focusing on the topic du jour, indeed the topic of the decade, even the topic of the century, biotechnology and the current pandemic. ETF Securities have created an exchange-traded fund with the apt ASX code CURE, that's C-U-R-E, which provides individual investors and SMS easy and inexpensive access to the U.S. biotech market. My guest today is Kanish Chug from ETF Securities, who is going to give us some insights into the biotech sector, the cure ETF, and the likely impact of the COVID pandemic on the sector. Kanish, welcome. First up, biotechnology. Is it part of the tech sector or the health
1: sector? Firstly, thanks for having me. Look, whilst advancements in technology has really driven the the biotechnology sector, in particular in the past two decades, and I'm sure it will continue to drive its growth, Biotech actually fits into what we would define as broader healthcare. And um, when we look at healthcare, that can be broken down into biotechnology, pharmaceuticals, medical devices, services, and diagnostics. So for Australian investors, some of those healthcare names specifically could be names like CSL, Ramsey Healthcare, Sonic Healthcare, Cochlear is another example. So in terms of drug development, if we would break it down even further, you have big pharma companies like Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson, which are global names, and then you have biotechnology. And essentially what biotech means is it refers to technologies that use a biological process. Now, often biotech companies are seen as drug discovery companies, so that's the easiest, simplest way to think of them. And a little known fact is that biotech has actually been around for centuries, and for anyone that has a beer on the weekend or has a beer at any point, the reason why you're having a beer is probably attributed to some form of biotech research and development. So the creation of beer is actually down to biotechnology, where we take it for granted. Um, and in the past century, we've seen biotech processes and biotech companies really get used in the development of, as we talked about drug discovery, but so the development of vaccines and treatments. So some of the illnesses or, I guess, conditions that it, that's been used, that biotech drugs have been used to help treat or cure are things like smallpox, rheumatoid arthritis, and there's a lot of work being done. Um, so to your question, where it fits, so it fits part of healthcare, but it is really, I guess, the driver of healthcare. And as technology develops, it's created an ability for biotech processes to be used more so in drug discovery so and treatment. So a lot of the drugs that we will see being, being developed are going to be because of biotech companies. That mapping for people that aren't aware of the human genome that occurred in the late 90s, early 2000s um, was really that tipping point that we've seen, and now you see a majority of new vaccines, drugs being developed in this sector. So really, to, to be fair, it's the future of healthcare, and the, the probably the COVID-19 pandemic is probably only highlight of that even more so
0: it's also healthcare innovation to to some extent
1: isn't it to, to a large extent it, it really is so it, it gets boosted with the idea of technology um, and and it uses a lot of you know technological innovations but biotech really is what will drive um, healthcare
0: you mentioned CSL why wouldn't I just buy CSL rather than bother with going for an ETF in the American biotech sector or American biotech market
1: so when talking to clients and we see this quite often in Australia and t- Um, To be fair, probably most countries, they all have a home bias. Now, in healthcare, Australia is very much underrepresented, even though CSL is one of the largest companies listed on the ASX. So if we were to look at the top 300 companies by size on the um, Australian Stock Exchange, only 23 are healthcare. So that's less than 10% are actually healthcare. Now, one of those names is obviously CSL. but So for an Australian investor, they're very much limited in terms of being able to identify certain exposures and really get that exposure within their portfolios. So they need to look offshore. And that's one of the reasons why we launched this particular ETF in Cure. For us, it gave investors the ability to get exposure to what is the largest biotech sector in the world, being the US. And there's a lot of questions around why the US is the biggest and most important. And actually that comes down to the FDA. So. The the FDA is their drug approval process. Um, It's seen as the gold standard of drug approvals across the world. So what happens is a lot of companies actually will on purpose list in the US or have agreements or alliances in place with US listed biotech stocks to work through that FDA approval on particular drugs that they're working through or treatments. And if that FDA approval is granted, well, Basically, they can apply to have that drug approved very quickly in overseas companies where they're being developed or developing. So it really opens up new doors, so to speak. Well,
0: it's good to know there's still some gold standards left in the US given what it's going through at the moment, I've got to say.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, th- I think in this particular area, there definitely is. Um, and I, another point I just wanted to mention, and this is generally at an investment level, is investors need to be diversified. So yes, as an asset manager, we, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to clients about single stock or single country risk. And that could never be more true in this case. So in theory, an Australian investor can go out and get exposure to healthcare by buying CSL or buying Ramsey or ResMed, for example. I'm sure they may do. But that is a lot of pressure to put on one stock in terms of this sector. So as we discussed, if this area is developing so quickly, and it has been again with the impact of and the developments of in, you know, COVID-19 treatments and vaccines that have had on company share prices. You know, you see certain healthcare companies or biotech companies in particular, if we're talking about drug discovery, they can be up or down, you know, 10% on a daily basis. Now, why that's the case, you know, they're working through the FDA approval, you know, they may get knocked back for one reason in their clinical trial, they may hit a hurdle, whatever that may be the case, it is, you know, very... I guess it can be a volatile area. So to remove that volatility, we have felt an ETF, and that's why Cure really has been, you know, the, the reason why we launched that, uh, this ETF was to give investors that diversified exposure. So this particular ETF, it has 120 US Biotech stocks, all equally weighted, means you get an equal exposure to all 120 plus names. Now that's important because it, we're, the idea behind this is, an equal weight approach is, we're not buying the winner or loser we're taking an approach of biotech is the driver of healthcare in the future. We don't know if the smallest company will be the best or the biggest company will be the biggest performance, not necessarily always what occurs. So, you know, to spread that risk, we have an equal exposure to war.
0: Is there a greater element of gambling by investing in this sector? You know, there's few winners, lots of losers. Is it akin to gambling or is that just typical of any investing?
1: So I guess uh, Gambling is akin to investing in gambling, you know, they, they sort of somewhat go hand in hand. What I would say is for investors, they should, if they're buying single stocks, you know, they need to make sure they do their due diligence. Um, they need to speak to a financial professional. They have to understand the level of risk that they may be taking um, by going down a specific company path. It's why ETFs have really become more popular um, of late. Is because, because of the spreading of risk, is it? Yeah, is it's, it's the diversification as, um, aspect. Yes. You need to be diversified. Whether you need to be diversified across single stocks, so not just putting all your eggs in one basket and buying one name in the hope that that particular name will do very well. It's also a case of being diversified across your entire portfolio, so not buying just one country exposure, not buying just one asset class. So being really you know spreading out your entire portfolio and if you are wanting to take those risks of single stocks well then you can do that via a satellite component so you know when we're talking at biotech you know we, we talked about the, this being you know the future of healthcare we talked about being a potentially a bit volatile in terms of some of the underlying names and even, even the experts don't really know which particular companies will be doing exceptionally well over others. So the best way to get exposure to to this area is via a diversified approach, which is via an ETF or, or an index strategy.
0: Is the biotech sector one that's typically overlooked to some extent by Australian investors or not?
1: Yeah, I th- I th- it definitely is. Um, so it, it comes down to that point earlier where we talked about the limited healthcare, I guess uh, the size of healthcare in, in this country. It's there, and we've obviously got some very successful companies in CSL, in Cochlear, in ResMed, for example. But And a lot of Australians may have some single stocks, but they're very much, it's underrepresented as a broader theme. You know, Australian investors, SMSFs, very much either, will look at banks, look at the miners, maybe have some property in there, and they may have CSL or, or Ramsey in some way. But really, if they're wanting to play this particular exposure, the, the consideration is to look at a fund uh, approach and also to consider, again, that whole idea of diversification. So I see biotech as a megatrend. I see biotech as a growth play. Um, I see biotech as a long-term play. So when I'm talking about megatrends, you're talking about things like robotics and automation, so disruptive themes. Biotech is one of those it's going to be around for, for generations, it's going to be a focus for people, um, and it's only becoming more and more important given what we've just gone through with, um, with or currently going through with COVID-19.
0: So what you're saying, some exposure to the sector, it would be prudent to say the least.
1: Definitely so. The way in which we would talk about allocating to something like Cure would be as a satellite exposure to being, to being a complement to the wider part of your portfolio. So having a view for those particular investors, and I need to preface this, you know, those particular investors that have an ability to take on the level of risk because there is some volatility involved in something like the biotech sector. So as I mentioned, it's very much a growth play. It doesn't produce much income. So the yield on the the index of this particular product is, about 1.2, 1.3% as as at the end of May over a 12-month period, so the 12-month index yield. So it's it's very small. So you're not buying the biotech sector for income. You're buying biotech for the growth aspect to it. So again, a satellite component and very much for that particular type of investor.
0: Well, can we talk about some of the companies in the index? What, uh, What one's come to you? To mind, and what what interests you at the moment?
1: Yeah, so there's a few actually, and I guess there's 123 names in the actual um in the ETFs. So I'm not going to go through all 123, but.
0: How many are currently trying to get a vaccine for the pandemic, for COVID-19?
1: Yeah, so from last check, it was about five or six that were working specifically on some form of vaccine or treatment. A particular company that comes to mind is Gilead Sciences. It's one of the largest holdings in the index at the moment, around 2.17%. Now, Gilead Sciences actually has a market cap of just under $100 U.S., to put that in perspective, that actually makes it bigger than CSL in terms of size. So, you know, you're talking about some very large companies, but you're also in this index, there's some very small companies. But Gilead, they're working on a particular antiviral drug, it's already been around, um, they developed it for treatment of Ebola, it's called Remdesivir. And um, they've actually found that it's showing promise of treating COVID-19. What I would say is, there's a company like that that are working in that particular area, but that's not the only drug that they're working on. So they're obviously you know linked with treatment of COVID-19, but they're also working on other drugs around things like you know looking at uh, HIV treatment to chemotherapy, for example. So there are a lot of aspects to some of these larger biotech companies like Gilead that are working on, on different areas.
0: I guess many people listening might think, well, has the horse bolted? Have these companies, and particularly the ones involved in the vaccine search, have they gone up so much in value that uh, you, you've missed the boat or not?
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. I, I probably wanted to, i wanted to make sure what we discussed it was COVID-19 has shone a spotlight on healthcare and it's shone a spotlight on biotech, and that will be continuing for the next number of years as there needs to be a focus on the efficient process of the drug approval, the clinical trial, you know, the, the the drug discovery process that's occurring. There's a lot more investment now. So there's an estimated of 30 to 35 biotech companies that are looking to go public in 2020 in the US. It remains the biggest source of growth. And you know, when we're looking at over the year, this is as at the end of April, when you're looking at the earnings per share growth estimates biotech actually will see is expected to see a significant positive growth estimate in Q4 twenty twenty. Now it has been impacted in somewhat of a negative way, by the way, in terms of by COVID nineteen. And that it may come as a surprise to a lot of people. And why please explain. <laughs> yeah, so the reason is this so yes there are companies in the biotech sector across the world that have repositioned to focus on COVID nineteen governments around the world they've made that approval process a lot more quicker especially specifically for covid-19 but it actually has meant a lot of other companies at the moment have had to put on hold clinical trials development of other drugs or research into other areas because of covid-19 because of that shift that's occurred or because hospitals have been repositioned to counter and to take into account potential cases of COVID-19. So they can't run clinical trials as they normally would. Now, that will eventually dissipate. You will start to have clinical trials come back on. So the impact of COVID-19 initially has been a slight negative for a number of biotech companies that were working on non-COVID-19 treatments. Obviously, companies like Gilead or Moderna, etc., that are working on COVID-19 treatments are gonna benefit positively. But what I would say, as a result of COVID nineteen, you're seeing this spotlight on healthcare and the need for the country, for the globe, to really focus on development of vaccines and treatments for various illnesses and research being done into this space. So healthcare spending is actually well, is expected to increase um, across the world. Not even if I'm, I'm you know when I'm looking at a chart in 2021, there's a market increase in healthcare spending. In Latin America, and North America, Asia Pacific, so across the world, a big increase in healthcare spend, a bigger spotlight being shined, more private investors coming into this area, understanding that you know there is this really is that that future for for treatment and COVID nineteen has shown the impact that it can have on economies, and it's it's not it's not positive, is it?
0: No, indeed. Well, in, in, at least in terms of humanity's sake, that's a good thing because I think people are now aware that health is not just health; it's It's everything.
1: (laughs) Well, it is. And there's an interesting stat. So by 2050, there's an expectation that there's going to be 2 billion, more than 2 billion people considered as elderly. Now, if you're of an elderly um, age, there's definitely going to be a reliance on some form of drug treatment or drug um, vaccine of some form. So, you know, this isn't, I guess, to a lot of people, they consider certain disruptive megatrends as, oh, it's fine for now. It's probably going to be relevant right now, but there'll be a new technology that comes in. With biotech, you know, healthcare is always going to be around. It's always going to be necessary. So these companies are really working on treatments for the future of the world.
0: You've really addressed my last question to some extent. Where is the industry heading? It, it seems to me that it's only heading one way and that is bigger and better.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And as I mentioned before, we talked about the advancements of technology. So we have an, another fund of ours is an ETF called Robo, and that looks at robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. And in doing research for that particular ETF, we're seeing a lot of development in artificial intelligence. And as developments occur in those spaces, it has a fallen effect to sectors like biotech and companies like biotech who can utilize the new technologies that are available to them. To continually grow, and the cost of then R and D comes down, and the efficiency in that R and D process improves.
0: Possibly a trite question, but in terms of the two megatrends, trends, uh, is it possible to rate them, or are they equal?
1: I think, I, I think it's a it's a question of how you perceive a disruptive megatrend trend to impact the world. So, from where I sit, I could I can classify you know three key mega trends in biotech in robotics and automation and then in sustainable battery technology solutions. So in how we you know sustainable energy solutions, they're for me three key mega trends that I would I would look at from a thematic point of view that are going to have some change to to everyone's life in, in some way, shape or form. And I think that's where you've got to consider it. You personally may not be impacted by the biotech sector, but I'm sure if you go down sort of those six degrees of separation, you will find someone that has been impacted in some way same in robotics and automation it's as simple as you looking at your smartphone that is in, in a way robotic automation artificial intelligence in terms of a disruptive megatrend so you're already there
0: right now do you mind me asking are you a personal investor in the cure etf
1: so as of this stage no i'm not it's one of the etfs in my smsf that i have been considering and i was always sort of a bit conscious of when would be the right time to sort of buy into it as i mentioned i'm looking at those those three mega trends at the moment of robotics of battery technology and, and biotech so it's an area that i'm looking at definitely to consider
0: terrific kenish thanks very much for talking to us today most interesting
1: no thank you so much peter